Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 176, Bran 5, In a Clash of Kings. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And this week we're shaking things up a little. I'm excited. We're kind of pre-recording an episode for the holiday season, Mm -hmm. for the holiday cheer. So we're coming to you from the past, the future, (laughs) the then, the now. The truth. We want to be really method podcasters for brand chapters. Absolutely. You know, you'll never know when or where or how we're recording, but we're recording. When are they? We are. Yeah. Who is she? Who are they? (laughs) Oh my God, the trees, they're speaking to me. That said, I'm ready to be done with a clash of kings because it's about to get miserable <laughs> i'm ready for a storm of swords so we can get out of the misery but these chapters are really brief and kind of heavy in lore and tense i don't know i'm excited to jump in today yeah and we get to see our favorite miserable boy again <laughs> which one well i'm talking about uh, jojen or bran Oh, Theon. Yeah, also Theon. Yeah. I'm so excited to see him um, have the worst reign <laughs> of Winterfell ever. Seriously, I was talking to that guy I live with, that mm. roommate of mine, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we were talking about how even Rickon could have run Winterfell better than Theon. Like, Theon poisons his fucking well supply with dead people before he's sieged. Yeah. What's wrong with you, Theon? A lot. You idiot. A lot. He just, you know, wasn't tossed by anyone. He had no mentor figures <laughs> also, if you think about it, other than, like... Yeah. No, he had none. Ned-ish. I guess, like, the master uh, at arms taught him to fight, maybe? You know that Gordon Ramsay clip where he's like, You're, what are you, an idiot sandwich? And he puts his hands on the side of the kid's head when he says it. Yeah. That's how I feel about Theon. What are you, an idiot sandwich? Yeah. But I love, love that him. idiot sandwich. Truly he's one my of my favorite favorites. flavor. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, before we get too far into our favorite idiot sandwiches, this month's Patreon episode, bonus episode for our stranger tier and above, $5 and up patrons, is TBA. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. We should have that announced in the next week for you. Yeah. And of course, we have our monthly Discord brunch for our patrons in the Thunder tier and above, $10 and up. And we do have a date for all of you for all of that. It is this month going to be on Sunday, December 18th from 2 to 4 p.m. EST. Yeah, Eliana time. Eliana time. time. I'm excited for that. Maybe we'll do some reindeer games. I have a new one. Uh, We we like to play the Jackbox games here and there. And there's a new game called Role Models. And I played it with some friends this week. And it was very fun. I might have to test it out soon on the Discord because I think it'll be more fun with more people. I only had four people, but reindeer games will be happening. I am excited. <laughs> a new awakening for Chloe and her game. Jackbox games. It's Christmas, truly. Uh, ho, 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 ho. And hey, that's not the only Christmas gift we'll be bringing because we are jumping back into His Dark Materials. We've had a little bit of a break from our His Dark Materials podcasting, but Series 3 is landing in like two days, actually, from when we're recording this And the season will already be going for those in the U.S. on HBO. They are dropping two episodes on, got Mondays? Mondays, Mondays. on Mondays for HBO going forward. I think it'll be an eight-episode season. And the U.K. uh, BBC iPlayer will be dropping the whole season December 18th. So it's kind of a slow down, wait a little bit, then hurry up. But I'm excited to talk through it nonetheless. Yeah, I think we'll be... (laughs) 
We'll be, uh, I think, covering it weekly. One episode a week. We'll hopefully be covering both of the episodes dropped each week in Mm -hmm. that episode. This is a disclaimer that that can change. Yeah. We reserve that right. That's true. We reserve the right for that to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, it is... It is the end of the year. It's the it's the holiday season. Please, please. It's been a hard year. So please, <laughs> please, please. I was like, what do I say? That's witty. And I was like, I don't know. I'll give them the past, the future, the truth. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've just been like sick and tired the last month or two or seven or twelve. Yeah, it's been a crazy year. People dying. Yeah, family members, friends animals life damn we've been going through it and i bet you whoever is listening have also been going through it so we're thinking about you indeed also something else that is happening though in the new year is when season three of his dark materials is over some of our lovely patrons are putting on a rewatch discussion of season three they did one already for seasons one and seasons two of his dark materials so if you're interested in that consider it 2023 yeah consider becoming a thunder tier patron i will say we have a really lively hdm his dark materials community over at our discord server and we have a lively god we have a lively food community as we've discussed mm-hmm. in our brand chapters with courtney a lively game of thrones hot d a swath community as well and now a budding white lotus ha, 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 oh, a budding yeah. white lotus community since we finally got you on board so there are fives of us i haven't fives. joined that discussion yet because i only started what because i like watched no, all of season yeah. one last week everyone when i was sick <laughs> and yeah, so I, I'm i just starting season two. I was starting it last night, but I also kind of timed it. I didn't time when I finished season one, right? But it happened to mm-hmm. fall around like the last two weeks of season two. So it's going to be great for me because I don't have to yep. wait at all for the completion. I'm really excited for you to finally take this journey with me. I really am. We'll have to, maybe we'll do some sort of New Year roundup of what we've been watching and tell oh, you guys what we're feeling, because uh, we're watching a lot of stuff. We're we're big media hogs right now, right? We have Sex Lives of College Girls. Yeah. Uh, the Gossip Girl reboot season two just started. Yeah. It's okay so far, but it's fine. It's fine. It's not the original, but it's fine. And my God, what else is happening? I'm sure we're watching I started more. Mythic Quest, so I'm on season two of that now. I think you'd like it. It's fun. I don't know if you're I'm watching I'm starting it. it soon. I want to. It's nice, on my list. Nice. It's on my list. Yeah. On my list. And then also, I just watched all two seasons of Ted Lasso during that time that I was sick. <laughs> That's also on my list. Okay. It's perfect. fun. It's fun. It's a lot about right. how America saves Britain. I'm sorry. No, wait. Who said that? <laughs> Uh, so how as, america sees british football it's the world cup right now i'm sorry i should not say this i'm about oh to get like God. people really mad at me we just lost so many viewers so many viewers well people weren't that viewing said. it anyway so we lost no one <laughs> <laughs> we're a podcast uh yeah new year it'll be the same us <laughs> yeah Can't no we could be wait. worse as i say every single year we could i could i can be even worse than i am now I vow it. And I look forward to that every year, Eliana. <laughs> I look you. forward to the person Thank you become you. or derail into, I should say. And I look forward to uh, subjecting you to that. <laughs> symbiotic, they call it. Codependent. <laughs> Codependent is another word they might call it. Hmm. Okay. Lots to think on, lots to chew on, and we're going to let you all chew on all of that and digest it. 
while we take part in our lightning round for what we missed between Brand 4 in A Clash of Kings and Brand 5. Tyrion 7. Lancel demands Pycelle's return for the queen. But Tyrion has blackmail up his sleeves and further employs Lancel. He takes a scenic route home to see Shay. Arya 7. Jacqueline and Arya reunite, and Arya whispers a name to them. Catelyn 3. Catelyn fails to bring peace between the Baratheon brothers and is made to stay at Renly's slumber party until he is... one. Sansa 3. A true knight beats Sansa at court over her brother's latest victory. Tyrion offers Sansa protection, but she declines. Catelyn 4. Catelyn prays to the Seven and realizes the truth that Bran almost died for. She asks Renly to call a great council, but when rejected, she witnesses his death by Shadow Baby. Brienne and Catelyn make their great escape. John 4. At the fist of the first men, Ghost leads John to Dragonglass. And that brings us here to A Clash of Kings, Bran 5, where, while Rob is victorious, Bran feels a sense of doom. Same. Jojen's <laughs> prophecy has come true. Bran tries to warn against the upcoming tides, but no one listens to him. Bum, dun, dun. Brand five. And I have to say, there's so much in the last Catalan chapter mm-hmm. that kind of comes over in Catalan four to this chapter. So much that even at the very front of this chapter, we open with a forge where we open mm. with her praying to the smith. And oh. I think it's just so eloquently done. We start with Alebelly, who finds Bran in the forge where he's working the bellows for Micken. Arm so day, cute. And he says, it's very cute, and it's good for him. Yeah, it, it's it good is. exercise. Alebelly says Bran is needed up in the turret with Maester Lewin, that Rob had sent a raven. Bran is too excited to wait for Hodor to come get him, so Alebelly carries him. I just want to point out that poor Alebelly, while strong, apparently isn't as strong as Hodor, and is, like, panting by the time they get to Lewin's. Like, that poor man. Also, it's probably all that ale. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, like, a really funny chapter. However, it's very depressing as well, which is kind of like me, right, as a person. So I'm I'm very into it. Like, I'm I'm very funny, I would say. I'm pretty, pretty comical, but I'm also very depressed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good mix. It's like a a scoop of Chloe ice cream. But there's all these little moments, like, Alebelly could barely move. He had been carrying Bran up all these stairs. (laughs) Like, it's really bad, because that guy dies soon. Yeah, and I mean, like, a nine-year-old's pretty big. Yeah, that's also very true. Like, extremely true. I mean, I wouldn't want to carry a nine-year-old. I don't even want to carry, like, a four-year-old. Yeah. They're also heavy. Yeah, and you've got to bring them all the way upstairs. Seems rough. Seems rough. I think we need to install some ramps. Yeah. I think it's time. Mm -hmm. Or a pulley. I don't know. Anyway. A pulley. Like a winch, like at the Vale. So the... News is both great and bad. Rob has won at Oxcross and has taken many castles, writing from Ashmark. Bran asks if he killed Tywin, and unfortunately, no, he did not. And he's like kind of mad that he agrees. And Big Walder's like, well, it's the only thing that matters. Yeah, there's something interesting in that the next Arya chapter, it's Tywin leaving for battle, mm. right? And it's when she almost kills him via her three wishes. Should have done it. <laughs> From her genie in the bottle. Yeah, should have done it. But it's just like her, right? Like, she thinks Tywin's the only one that actually matters. I need to kill Tywin. Yeah, I mean, look at what happens in A Feast for Crows. <sighs> Someone had to do it. It was Tyrion. Yeah, finally. Tyrion. The true hero. <laughs> 
<laughs> the gritty anti-hero. Rickon chastises Rob from afar, saying he needs to come home, and he can bring his wolf, too, and mother and father. Very sad, but also, again, very funny, because he's like, he's allowed to bring his wolf home, too. Rickon! <laughs> we get a little exposition that Rickon sometimes forgets Ned is dead, and sometimes willfully, stubbornly, like, he knows that Ned's dead, but he's just pretending he's not, Aww. which is really sad, right? It's not healthy. It's sad. No one's really dealing with that, and that could maybe fester within him. And it's a little bit of an unreliable narrator we don't necessarily constantly get from Rickon, but we could, right? Like, if he had a POV, I wonder what we would really get from it. It would be maybe a little more feral Mm. and full of lies, because kids just lie all the time with no reason needed, right? Like, they just love to lie. I love to lie to kids, so... But kids love to lie. Part of it is like, I guess, a blurring between like what reality and truth. They're like, I don't know, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not say this crazy thing? Yeah. So and no one's gonna yell at him for it, obviously, because they're all dead. Yeah. Like, what do you do? You, do you tell the four year old, "No, Rickon, your dad is dead," like all the time? Big sad. It gets tiring. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like this call out about Rickon being very willfully stubborn. Right. It really shows how Rickon's got that wolf's blood going on. <laughs> Yeah, those are my family. (laughs) That's my family. (sighs) So Bran is glad for Rob's win, but he's kind of disquieted remembering Osha's words about how Rob should actually be fighting towards the north. And now Lewin addresses the sad parts. The Walderses' uncle, Stevran Frey, took a wound and died. Big Walder and Little Walder, surprisingly, do not give a fuck. They're like, hell yeah, one more out of the line of succession. (laughs) And they immediately launch into a whole succession discussion between them, which is very helpful for us, the readers, especially on our first time through. Little Walder asks if Emin is the heir now, and Big Walder says, the sons of the first son come before the second son. So it's Sir Ryman first, and then Edwin, then Black Walder, and then Peter Pimple, and then it's Aegon and his sons. And again, thank you for the exposition slash reminder, George, about how primogenitor works for most of the rest of Westeros. And especially because we do have that fight for the throne between Joffrey and Stannis and Renly, you know, two other second and third sons versus allegedly the son of the first son. Yeah, I thought this was some important exposition. And I also thought there was something in it that reminded me a bit of Catelyn and Rob mm. with the will in A Storm of Swords and kind Rickle. of that discussion of who's going to get Winterfell and also maybe even some hints in the endgame, right? Because Bran and John, John is the son of a, well, it depends on how you're legally looking at John's birth, right? And what comes out in the endgame. But if John is a son of a firstborn son for the throne, right? If he's revealed as a Targaryen child under Rhaegar, or if he's the son of Lyanna in kind of a succession look at Winterfell, a thirdborn, if we're caring about women in this scenario, compared to Bran with Ned, right, as the secondborn son. So there could even be some tensions arise with that primogenitor coming up in the very plot in The Winds of Winter. Or in A Dream of Spring, or in any book that we get someday. Bran and John coming out of the woodwork is going to just really like throw everyone for a loop. And then you have mm-hmm. those complications of like how in the world of Ice and Fire we learned that what Ares did he disinherit Rhaegar? He kind of did. And so like, what do people think? But uh, most people know 
that the primogenitor is like, well, the kid of the first son follows before mm-hmm. the other ones. And like, that's what the rest of Westeros is used to. And also, you know, John had the good sense to be born with a penis. So yeah, makes it that much easier to say fuck Sansa. Yeah. Well, and Daenerys, right? Like with all those yep. other things. So yeah. And with the Aegon stuff, with the Aegon stuff. And poor John, he's got it on all ends. He's like, I literally I feel did bad not for ask him. for this. He's like, I don't want Winterfell. I don't want the Iron Throne. I don't want anything. He's like, I didn't ever really want Winterfell. I just wanted to belong. I just wanted a family, you know? And why is my family <laughs> falling apart on both ends? My poor bastard. <laughs> All of my, my poor family. Why am I fucking my aunt? <laughs> Things are hard. Not just me. Uh, I'm hard. Okay, wait. Wow. Maybe not after he comes back to life, depending on his blood supply. Or he has constant rigor mortis. Who knows? Oh, he's going to have rigor mortis, all right. i'm wondering also did george not really have this work he didn't have the phrase worked out totally i don't think as far as their family tree in this book at all because it's referenced that agen is being counted in this succession so i'm like does he mean agen bloodborne who's an outlaw or jingle bell (laughs) agen because neither of them have been discussed as having sons i think it's kind of implied that agen bloodborne is an outlaw and probably won't inherit I don't know. I think he just made a few oopsies. And it's, it really is not important. It's just like interesting as I read because I was looking in the appendix again and I'm like, nope, nothing. Nada. Is he just making things up? Maybe Big Walder really is that stupid. We just don't know. It might be. He might be that dumb. But um, I feel like, I, as you said, right, he was still gardening all that. and he It's gardening. Yeah, he didn't have to have that nailed down to like storm and feast, right? When he starts digging mm-hmm. into it, he's like, I don't know. I'll deal with that later. Um. Ooh, Bloodborne. Absolutely. Hagen Bloodborne. Yeah, that was foreshadowing for George collaborating with From Software, everyone, to make Elden oh, Ring. Oh my god. It is. It is. Sure. You know what? Some days I just don't even want to fight you on some of this <laughs> stuff, so I just nod. I hope everyone at home knows that I'm nodding right now. Confidently. Little Walder says Ryman is old, too, and with a bad belly. He asks if Big Walder thinks Ryman will be lord, and Big Walder says, I don't care, I'm going to be lord. Lewin is sitting there like, what the fuck is wrong with you two? Why aren't you crying? And in the most comedic passage in the entire Clash of Kings, yes, said Little Walder, we're very sad. Oh my god. I have never laughed so hard when reading a line. Yes, we're very sad. Anyways, back to talking about the succession. Like, he immediately just goes, anyways, and snaps back. And suddenly, though, on a more serious note, Bran got a sick feeling in his belly. They like the taste of this dish better than I do. The vision, the dream, the green dream comes true right in front of his eyes. Bran suddenly realizes he's like, oh, I was wrong last time. Shit, magic is real. Okay, okay. Uh, he sees the way that the dreams work, right? Which is that that language of symbols, that symbolism, the metaphors. And also, I, I will say, like, I, I want to come back to what you were saying about this hilarious line. Because Lewin, like, he's like, yeah, I'll parent these two other kids that I love who are precious and lovely. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with these wards? Why am I parenting these terrible children? He's like, I'm not responsible for them. I don't like you. I feel bad for him. It's really funny because he's really trying to be haha gray between mm-hmm. it. You know, he's trying to Swiss that shit up. But my God, is it hard <laughs> because they're little sociopaths. Yeah. Uh, 
So Bran asks to be excused. Osha comes to get him. She's much stronger than Alebelly and lifts him easily, carrying him down the steps. First of all, for a second, I was like, mm, it's interesting that Osha is stronger than Alebelly, which, yeah. But also, it's a little e- Osha's got to go downstairs, you know? Like, it's a little bit easier than carrying the kid upstairs. But she probably is That's stronger. true. Inertia. Yeah. Inertia. Gravity. <laughs> he asks her if she knows the way north past the wall. She says to look for the ice dragon mm. and chase the blue star in the rider's eye. Mm. What could that mean? He asks if there are still giants, others, and children of the forest there, and she says she's seen giants. She's heard tell of the children and white walkers, too. He asks if she ever saw a three-eyed crow, and she laughs, saying she can't say she would want to. I thought that was really funny that Osha asks why Bran wants to know about the White Walkers, and also, you know, this is a this conversation does a quick like thing where it reminds people that the others and the White Walkers are the same because Bran asks about the others, and Osha calls them the White Walkers. Uh, different names for the same thing, which I don't know, maybe kind of like how the sea is a different name for someone, or maybe uh... Reek a different name for someone. But also, besides that, like. I don't know, it was kind of funny that she paused there and asked, why do you want to know about the White Walkers? Because obviously, like, that's part of why she's telling Bran they gotta march north, that's why she's fleeing north of the Wall. So it doesn't really make sense to some extent of, like, why she wouldn't bring it up, because obviously she's kind of seen tell of them, other than for dramatic tension. There is a little, yeah, something's, like, indistinguishable there of how she doesn't give him real answers, because I do feel like we're past that point. Yeah. Right? Like, they've already kind of had secret conversations, and she's already been like, your brother should be going north. I'm not sure. I think it's really dramatic tension. Yeah. It does it's feel a little... There's some, it's for the plot there. Because, realistically, Osha is a very interesting mentor to show up in Bran's plot that we don't interface with, right? And in a way, it's almost like Bran sacrifices what could have been with Osha to have her take care of Rickon. Like, obviously, somebody had to go with Rickon that was able to do so and he needed the people that he kept for his side of the group but sacrificing osha to take care of rickon even though she's an apt protector with some sort of knowledge of the north and of some of the mysticism going on also shows that brand knows what's good for everyone is more important than what's good for him in some instances and i thought that really stood out to me on this read like osha knows some shit but we're just letting her go that's a good point and i kind of part of me wonders like Now that you put it like that, yeah, she actually would have been fantastic for when they go north of the wall for navigating because she she knows the area, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. is there maybe a part of her that's a little relieved? We don't have her POV that she doesn't have to go back there. She's going to Skagos where, yeah, it's new. She's never been there. Maybe there are cannibals, but at least there aren't ice zombies. She already ran from that. Yeah. Yeah. She already ran from that. Just ice storms and zombies and people who will turn you into one and shaggy mammoth unicorns yeah that's fun that could be fun that's fun it could be fun it could be fun it's a new adventure for her definitely the one day we will see uh maybe so (laughs) she sets him down in the window seat after kicking open the door and mere moments later jojen and mira appear having heard about the raven that came to winterfell bran says it wasn't supper like you said it was a letter from rob we didn't eat it but (laughs) And Jojen interrupts, saying that the truth of these dreams is sometimes hard to interpret, but that it takes strange shapes. 
I'm very glad he didn't eat the fucking envelope. <laughs> Good job, Bran. He's uh, like, fuck this news. <laughs> hysterical chapter. Feels very purposeful, right, in a book that we hear a similar thing from Melisandre, who starts to examine her dreams, and we start to hear from her a little more in some of these chapters. Especially, like, the Shadow Baby stuff, right? Just that it doesn't always, it takes strange shapes. Some of these interpretations are a little different. Absolutely. And that grows as we go. It really does. It really does. Especially in this book, right? Mm-hmm. And when you were saying, like, it's good he didn't eat the news, now that I think about it and think about that dream slash prophecy from Jojen Moore, it really, it really is interesting with the way that Bran's storyline has a lot to do with, of course, that eating. Maybe even eating of Jojen. Mm. Oh my god. It reminds me of, in the same book, The House of the Undying. Yeah. And obviously Red Wedding, but seeing the Red Wedding and seeing the feast, that diorama of it, and, like, the idea of... Danny getting kind of some prophetic visions through that and through the drugs and through the 13. And I don't know, there's something interesting in the interpretation of what she sees and what we hear from her. Who knows what she actually sees and how she really interpreted it, right? Like it's the mind playing with you. And that's very interesting. You just, you get what you get from these visions. Yeah, she didn't, I think, really do much to try to interpret the visions, only mostly like what the undying tell her because. Mm-hmm. That was explicitly given to her, whereas the rest of the visions, she's just like, well, shit, this is the wrong door. This is not it. This is not what I'm looking for. And (laughs) that's a metaphor. Yeah, right. And it's not the right door, first of all. It's not Um, the house with the red door. And yeah, with the king's portion being that bloody raw and red, like how she ate the mm -hmm. horse heart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the the black bark trees that are the inverse, right, that Absolutely. are found near the House of the Undying, that they make the shade of the evening from its leaves. We've talked a little bit in the past about how they're kind of interestingly linked, right? Like, they have their visions come out differently when yeah. you're on shade of the evening versus this. Thinking about, like, Euron, for example, with his blue-stained lips and... Mm-hmm. And the Forsaken His chapter. visions being a, yeah, like a synthetic, less pure version of what Jojen is able to see or what Bran is seeing. Yeah. It's a much more bad trip. It's a very bad trip. It makes you understand why Euron is the way he is, right? That's and true. even with what Osha just said, it made me think of Euron a little and Aemond One Eye and all of these like sapphire eyed mm. guys, me sapphire eyed oh, freaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the following the ice dragon. With the blue eye. Very interesting. interesting. Lots of visuals to go off of, George. Thank you. Yeah. It all connects. Yeah, he was probably it like, all connects. why don't I just reread the stuff that I wrote and then pull from there? <laughs> it's inspiring. I mean, if I had written all this and then I needed to inspire myself somehow, yeah. that would probably be smart. Though the ice dragon might be inspired by, I guess, one of his other ice dragon. stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Brynn is ready to hear about the bad thing that Jojen dreamed, finally. And Jojen says, The sea is coming to Winterfell. Black waves crashing against the gates and towers. Drowned men floating in the yard. He didn't know the faces when he dreamed it at Greywater, but now he does. He recognizes them. It's Alebelly, the Septon, Micken, the Smith. And Bran is skeptical, but Jojen says, Well, he saw them. Dead. Bloated. Drowned. Bran's like, Okay, well then let's tell them. We can save them. And Jojen's like, They won't believe. No more than you did. And I don't know why, there's something about, like, that idea of 
they won't believe even if you tell them that preaching to them the truth and them refusing to believe that feels like very religious to me and and those kinds of ideas about yeah. non-believers in the bible but also kind of funny that he calls them drowned men but here it's literal in term but it's literal but not literal it's literal within the context of the dream when george later on i think he, this is another thing of gardening uses that phrase in a feast for crows especially to refer to priests of the drowned god that's interesting that might have been gardened specifically from this from winterfell and theon Maybe. taking it yeah that's very interesting i didn't think about that it makes me want to explore some of that more and how that has evolved when it comes to like aaron's chapters mm -hmm. for example or victorian's chapters for example yeah it's fascinating that aaron now that i think about it when we were talking about near-death experiences that he he ends up going to i guess the john god he didn't blood raven wasn't like let's go for him maybe blood raven was like wow i really messed up once with that family let's not try again yeah he's like i'm just gonna skip over them that one was bad enough that was a bad experience for all so once more, Jojen asks Bran to tell him his dreams. A Stark keeps his sworn word, so Bran tells him the wolf dreams. Running, hunting squirrels, but then there's the other dream, the crow dream, where sometimes the tree calls his name. But the worst dream of all is when he falls. So close, he's really unearthing that falling dream, we're getting closer. He, uh, he even is remembering the golden man in it, like, we're so close, Bran. I like the tr that the tree and the crow are kind of listed as separate entities here, that the tree could possibly be the children, maybe, and the old gods watching him, based on what Lewin and Old Nan have told us about the children of the forest being dead and gone for thousands of years and seeing through the faces of the trees. Who knows, but I like that the tree is separate mm. from the crow. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. they are dueling in some capacity or from that same well of magic, like showing that Three-Eyed Crow is a separate being, which we will learn, we'll see. When we meet Blood Raven, it's interesting because we hear later on in Theon's chapters, right? And we'll talk about this again in a second, but like that the trees call his name, and it's assumed that that's Bran, right? Is the tree mm -hmm. calling him him from the future? Don't talk to yourself, Bran. <laughs> I never talk to myself. What are you myself. doing, buddy? Never reflect upon oh, anything. I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> no, I mean, I talk. All the time. I don't talk to myself aloud, really. My partner does that. I hear him talking <laughs> in the shower. I'm like, what are, what's going on? <laughs> I, that, mine does that, too. I think very hard, though. I get very lost in my thought. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't really do it aloud that much. There's a quick blip in here. A start keeps his sworn word, Bran thinks, and I really like that although it just makes me think of Ned and Lyanna and that like they don't necessarily you know a Stark doesn't always tell the truth but they keep their sworn word they keep their promises right yeah promise me promise me promise me promise me <laughs> absolutely great call Samira then comforts Bran but Jojen chooses a different method yeah, hard love from Jojen, right? Some hard love from Jojen. Warg, said Jojen Reed. Bran looked at him, his eyes wide. What? Warg, shape changer, beastling. That is what they will call you if they should ever hear of your wolf dreams. The names made him afraid again. Who will call me? Your own folk, in fear. Some will hate you if they know what you are. Some will even try to kill you. 
Old Nan told scary stories of beastlings and shape-changers sometimes. In the stories, they were always evil. I'm not like that! I'm not! It's only dreams! The wolf dreams are no true dreams. You have your eye closed tight whenever you're awake, but as you drift off, it flutters open and your soul seeks out its other half. The power is strong in you. I don't want to- wait, sorry, sorry, wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it. I want to be a knight. A knight is what you want. A warg is what you are. You can't change that, Bran. You can't deny it or push it away. You are the winged wolf, but you will never fly. Jojen got up and walked to the window, unless you open your eye. Open your eye. I like the scenes later with Bran scrunching his forehead um, <laughs> and poking. So exile from your own people is is what he's kind of warning about, right? Feeling isolated from them, which is kind of, I guess, what would happen even if they didn't reject you because you're mm -hmm. very different and the whole idea of power and isolation, which is what you've been talking about a lot. But when it does come to that social ostracization, like people being afraid of your power or seeing you as different, right? Seeing you as an other, if you will, ah. especially because ah. it's likely that the others are born from this kind of ability. And, and we don't know exactly how yet, but I assume it's something kind of deeper, right? Speaks to those sorts of human emotions. And it's also kind of ironic that they would be feared for it and distrusted, when the first men probably actually originally sought out this power, that it would become feared afterwards, maybe because people would use it over them. And then also that idea of being seen as therefore a foreigner amongst your own people, mm. that difference between what you want to be and what you are, I think that mm -hmm. goes really well with Theon's story as well. Oh, that's great. Because it kind of goes hand in hand with someone else who is back to their homelands ah. or to the south who also is kind of treated like a foreigner in her own land now catalan mm -hmm. right and it goes right with that last catalan chapter with the shadow baby no one will believe what you say jojen tells bran isn't that why catalan and brienne run from the camp too because yeah. even just being associated with the shadow baby is to the general public like insane right like even just saying what we saw what magic we saw kill the king would get them locked up and called crazy. Even in that last Arya chapter, you then have the magic awakening there with Arya and Jaqen, right? Where Chiswick dies, where she simply can say the name, and then he drops dead. Beastling. Warg. Shape changer. And that's so, that's great that you've tied it to them, like, Absolutely, with the Chiswick and, and Jockin and them fearing the magic, but also when you talk about Catelyn and Brienne, Brienne's also someone who's seen as different than a foreigner in a way yes. amongst her own people because shape changer, right? She's trying to change the shape of gender, what she can be, and so forth, right? She yes. she wants to be a knight. And she, t oh, yeah. Uh. And the knight is what they are, right? Like, so it's but no, she's a shapeshifter. Exactly, she's seen as a warg in a different skin than what she should actually be in. Absolutely, damn, and damn, powerful, Aliana. powerful. But also, when you say no one will believe what you say, like that disbelief, it kind of reminded me of that Bill Murray meme. I just have to say, the oh no God. one will ever believe you. <laughs> uh, just when she gets too smart, <laughs> she reels it on back. <laughs> 
God. Reels it on back. Uh, it's balance. <sighs> All things must be balanced. <laughs> Jojin jams some fingers in Bran's forehead, but nothing happens. He tells him to search with his heart and asks if he's afraid. Search with your heart, Anakin. You'd know it to be true, <laughs> is basically what he's saying. I'm telling you. Uh, Maester Lewin told Bran there was nothing in his dreams that a man should fear, but Jojen says there is the future, the truth, the past. This all confuses Bran even further. Yeah. I got, now I kind of wonder if, like, maybe George did steal that line from Star Wars. It is. It's literally, Bran's plot is half Dune, half Star Wars, which is the same thing because <laughs> Star Wars stole everything they have from Dune. So it's it's literally, I'm not kidding, um, it's the same story. But Paul Atreides, I mean, and then not just Paul, but Paul's son. No spoilers for these books that have been out for a very long time. But Worm Emperor, God Emperor of Wormst. Doom is kind of Bran. Oh, Wormst. <laughs> Wormst. The dreams that Bran shares with Jojen, though, really are the past, the future, and the truth. And that last dream scares Bran so much because it isn't a vision, right? It's not a wolf dream. It's just the truth that he is running from. And he's afraid of the truth of himself being a beastling because not as true. The stories tell him that beastlings, shape changers are evil, right? He wants to be a knight, which the stories say are good. But the truth is a knight is the reason the Bran is the way he is now. Yeah. Yeah, a quote unquote knight. I mean, he's a knight. He's just... I guess. They really let the standard fall these days. I mean, that's what that Sansa chapter before <sighs> this one is about. Yeah. It's sad because a knight has fallen, right? Like, to become meaningless in some aspects. I mean, it's been that way for a while. This is not a new thing, truly. It's systemic. We see that in the Hedge Knight, right? With Dunk, as he yells, are there no true knights among you? This has been happening for a while with the price of glory versus buying that price of glory. Paying the in gold. Yeah. 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 There are no true knights. And a knight has become evil. Yeah. That's a bummer. Poor Bran. Everything you want to do in your life kind of sucks. Nothing's... I mean, it's just like that in real life, right? Like, I want to grow up to do this. Everything's evil. It's all corrupted by the system. Bran, you yeah. gotta fix that. I think being a shape changer or beastling, though, you know, there's not a lot of people in that in that career track. He really has a chance to define what that means for himself. Really yeah, shape that gonna, position within the company. If we're going to publicize yeah. and capitalize this company <laughs> of skin changing. Yeah. So when he's alone, Bran tries to open his third eye, but he doesn't really know how. He tries to warn the people of Winterfell in the days to come of Jojen's dream, but it didn't go as he wanted. Micken laughed at it, saying he always wanted to see the sea. Septon Shale says, The gods will take me as they see fit, though I scarcely think... It likely I'll drown. And Alebelly is the only one who takes it seriously, going to talk to Jojen himself. Afterwards, he stops bathing and refuses to go near the well. We have this passage. Finally, he stank so bad that six of the other guards threw him into a tub of scalding water and scrubbed him raw while he screamed they were going to drown him like the frog boy said. Thereafter, he scowled whenever he saw Bran or Jojen about the castle and muttered under his breath. Hysterical. It is. Again, comedy outsold. Thank you, George. You are truly a comedic writer in these chapters, and you're killing me. So fucking funny. But 
it's actually finally showing how serious people are can take prophecies, right? Or prophetic mm. visions. Like everyone else kind of laughs at it, jests with it. Even Septon Chael, as we mentioned, who is like, I'm a great swimmer. I don't think I'll drown. And then he drowns in a well. Bummer. Kind of sad. Like, haha, yeah. nice try avoiding it. But it shows how seriously they take prophecy or these prophetic visions, some of them. And I thought that was interesting that only one of them actually cared. But then, like Jojen says, no matter what, they won't believe you. Like, Alebelli didn't believe them after he realized that he, uh, you know, it wasn't happening yet. And that's not that different from Bran, right? He didn't believe until mm -hmm. the other vision came true. He was like, yes. at the end of the last chapter, magic isn't real. So a few days after Alebelli's bath, Roderick then returns to Winterfell with a prisoner. A fleshy young man with fast moist lips. Maybe someone dis would describe them as worms fucking. Anyways, a long hair who stinks, named Reek. He had served the bastard of Bolton, allegedly, and helped murder Lady Hornwood. True, it was said. The bastard, Ramsay, was dead, allegedly. Bran learned at dinner. Roderick had caught him doing something horrible on Hornwood land, and Bran wasn't quite sure what, but it seemed to be something you did. Without your clothes. Still hasn't figured it out. <laughs> He's like, I've so seen close. sex. For sure. Yeah. They had shot him down with arrows, but poor Lady Hornwood had died. This is kind of horrific, how it's just in the background. So I want to talk about how it's kind of worded interestingly that Roderick's men caught him on Hornwood land raping another woman. Right? Another woman. Mm. But in A Clash of Kings, Theon 6, we actually get this kind of reversed. Wow, it's been a while. And we see it from the other side, where Ramsay laughs and he says, Reek is dead. The girl's fault. If she had not run so far, his horse would not have lamed and we might have been able to flee. I gave him mine when I saw the riders from the ridge. I was done with her by then, and he liked to take his turn while they were still warm. I had to pull him off her and shove my clothes into his hands, calfskin boots, velvet doublet, silver chase sword belt, even my sable cloak. Ride for the dread fort, I told him. Bring all the help you can. Take my horse, he's swifter. And here, wear the ring my father gave me so they'll know you came from me. He had learned better than to question me. By that time, they put the arrow through his back. I'd smeared myself with the girl's filth and dressed in his rags. They might have hanged me anyway, but it was the only chance I saw. So we get to kind of see the actual switcheroo that goes on in the background and how much the Stark faction actually missed, right, when they were there, that they just saw, oh, the bastard, we have him, look at him in his handsome clothes, raping mm -hmm. a woman, killing a woman, that must be him, fits the bill. Uh, and it's such a very cleverly done in text body switcheroo, uh, a clever switcheroo. And man, this is the beginning of Winterfell's end in A Clash of Kings. What lord can't protect their people? What king can't protect their people? Now the north is just like everyone and everywhere else, right? Until we can write this, it proves that the north is no better than the south. It always has been. It always it always was yeah. kind of like that. I mean, you know, Roose Bolton yep. is famous for having, what is it, a peaceful land, a quiet people. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Suspicious. Out of what? Fear and murder? Yeah, exactly. And, and I, we just let them. We just let them because it's never made a big enough problem until now. And it's always been like that because otherwise, how else do you get Ramsay born, right? We know how yeah. Ramsay was conceived, which is that Roos raped his mother. And yeah, absolutely. And 
of course, like this kind of gives you a little sense of what's going on here. Great, great call out with this because then you get that three point reveal between this mm -hmm. Jojen's dream and what eventually does happen at the end of Brand's chapters of this book. And mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And as you were saying, right, they see the fancy clothes and they assume that's who the person underneath is, right? They let the clothes stand in for the person, which is very much what happens with Theon's storyline, right? When he goes back home, they're like, look at your fancy yep. clothes. Who the fuck are you? I was very taken with that in, in that little passage right there, the exact description of what he says in yeah. Theon 6 is literally what he did to wreak right there is what he was planning to do with Theon and to cast it off on Theon as well. Oh, I was he's thinking- He's like, I'll send him to do it. When he goes home, right? Like that he's not oh, accepted yeah. because because he's got clothes that, that mm -hmm. resemble the Northerners, right? They don't look like- Iron's born clothes, and therefore his identity becomes questioned. But same as you said, right? They same put as later in those clothes, and it's that constant questioning of who are you? Are you the things that express who you are on the outside, or are you who you are on the inside? And that plays into those ideas of trappings of power that are going to mm -hmm. come in later on. Yeah, feeding the Ironborn what they think they want to see in mm -hmm. order to lift that siege and bring it to Ramsay's side later. Yeah, is interesting. So we have a passage that, after the wedding, the bastard had locked her in a tower and neglected to feed her. Bran had heard men saying that when Roderick smashed down the door, he found her with her mouth all Ugh. bloody and her fingers chewed off. Ugh. Ramsay put them in quite a predicament. He made Lady Hornwood his wife in front of a septon and heart tree, interesting, mm. betting her before witnesses and made her sign a will naming him her heir, fixing her seal to it. So he did not screw around. He had both the Septon and the Heart Tree. He's like, I'm doing it in all religions today. Interesting. Good point. Vows made at Sword Point are not valid, the Maester argued. Yeah. He was Well, that says a lot. covering all his bases. Covering yeah. his ass. But, yeah, so I guess, yeah, Lady Hornwood was not only kidnapped and forced to wed this guy, she was then raped in front of a shit ton of people. No one did anything. And then... Regarding her fingers being chewed off and her being starved. The implication is she ate her fingers because she was starved. But as uh, some people, I remember this, reading this mm -hmm. like years ago on Reddit. Someone had pointed out, maybe a couple people, um, that she might have chewed off her fingers because Ramsay had flayed her fingers. And it was so mm -hmm. painful that she chewed them off, as we see with Theon's flayed fingers and lost fingers in Adawada. It's kind of funny because it's like one of those things that... I honestly take as canon in my head because it's like such a long-standing theory, right? Mm -hmm. So even Same. when reading it, it's interesting because when rereading this, I'm like, oh, is that really how it happened, huh? <laughs> Oops. I do take it as yeah. canon now. And yeah, but they didn't know well, that he was like crazy I like that. Yeah. And I think we get that later, especially Theon's story kind of colors that when mm -hmm. we see that with him. It kind of backfills that story for you. Vows made at sword point are not valid. That's a very nice thing to say when someone's already been raped and murdered. Mm -hmm. Like, what is what does that fucking help anyone? That's not valid. Okay, well he's there. They all have that land now, and they murdered Lady Hornwood. So, thank you, Lewin. Your words don't really help. Your argument is very great. It just doesn't mean anything anymore. I also want to point out another vow made at sword point. Eventually, that we, we we've had already in our story, which is Jamie. Right? Jamie and the girls. That's true. And that's this book. Yeah, it's in this book. Yeah. Great point. I've been thinking that 
and this isn't really a hot take, this is just a thought, like, this means nothing. While HBO gave Sansa Jane's plot, right, in season five, they also kind of gave her part of Donella's plot, I yeah. feel like. They kind of mashed that up. I, th- I uh, didn't think about it much, but Donella's not mentioned at all in the show. So there are elements of her plot that are being given to Sansa. Wow. Lady Donella erasure. Fucked up. I mean, George did a great job adapting Donella into a full character from Sansa's character in the hit HBO experience, oh my God. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great point. It's a great addition. He found two whole characters <laughs> out of Sansa. That's how amazing she is. Her character is that expansive. Thanks, David and Dan. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Roderick says Roose Bolton wouldn't agree with the Maester's argument. For now, they've kept his serving man, who's just as fucked up as Ramsay, <laughs> and plan to keep him alive until Rob returns to recant the bastard's crimes. But even if Roose abandoned the claim, they have the Manderly Knights and Dreadfort men killing one another in the forests. As they should. Oh my I God. mean, sorry. Wait. So this really makes me think of something that you were talking about a few weeks ago when it came to Danella's Danella's claim, right? And and the Hornwood lands because yeah, Winterfell is Rob's seat, but as you said, like Rob failed to really deputize anyone to rule and make any of these massive decisions like in his stead because he has to be focusing on whatever he's focusing on right now. Like the North is a huge place. That needs someone governing it. You can't. It can't just be mm-hmm. put on hold while you're at war. And mm-hmm. he didn't do that at all. He needed some sort of hand ruling, right? Who wasn't out at war. Same as how Tyrion is like doing a bunch of stuff right now in King's Landing. He is he is making a lot of wide sweeping changes and decisions, and he's not relying on the king necessarily to empower him to enact that. And same as how Ned acted when he was hand when Robert was king, but also it was clear Robert didn't intend to do anything. So if Roderick and Lewin had the knowledge already about what happened with the Hornwood lands and that this this random-ass man was part of it, then they could have just executed Ramsay, not knowing he was Ramsay because they already kind of killed him anyway, instead of keeping him alive as a witness and just redistributed those lands. And yeah, that probably would have pissed off Roose Bolton, and he would have been mad about these outcomes and the redistribution of the Hornwood lands, etc. And the Manderleys, I don't know, they'd figure that out, whatever, you know. But he would just have to deal with, like, the Boltons defecting, maybe, and not all of the other stuff that happens later on. Well, and I think that actually is the problem they're in, because Roos has been given a higher seat yes. of command than many of the other lords and he has proven himself to be a quote unquote you know like a good part of this however we're getting in the Arya chapters already hints of his defection mm-hmm. right and we're hearing that he might not actually be loyal and we don't absolutely see it in full yet but you can kind of see some of these hints uh, and you can see that Roderick and Maester Lewin are tiptoeing around it like I think that's actually the reason they're keeping oh. the serving man ar- alive is one so that they have proof of Ramsay's crimes, because who's going to believe them? Roos wouldn't believe them if he's like, your bastard son is dead now, but did all this shit and he tore our realm asunder. I don't think that, I think it's insurance against Roos as well, as well as like a sign of good faith at the same time. Like we're keeping your serving man alive. We can't just go killing our fellow Lord's serving man. True. We can kill his son, just not his serving man. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) But it does come to it, like because then you're looking at like, 
favoring one vassal over the other? How are you going to rule fairly against these vassals, especially when you've already given Rus a pretty high seat of honor in the eyes of this war? So I do think that it's a rock in a hard place. Like, but I also, at that same exact point, really agree, like, by not deputizing anyone in this, and it's something that maybe in The Winds of Winter, for example, or A Dream of Spring, we might see more of the mm. Starks' lack of political warfare as well. Catelyn is only able to focus on one political thing at a time right now, and she's putting her whole-ass Cadussy into the South, right? Like, she is really trying to get some sort of alliance or some sort of something to happen with these Southern kings that are warring in order to protect her family and the North in some aspects. but. The North is really empty and you left it with nothing. Where John, for example, if he comes back to life in the Winds of Winter, as we all are hoping slash knowing he will, and he's kind of waging a war, I mean, he needs someone like Sansa in the North to be politicking in the background as well. You yeah. can't just hope your realm doesn't tear itself apart. Yeah. Though some people are doing that. That is definitely what some people are doing. Absolutely in regards to... Yeah, like, it, it is a much more complex situation. Like, yeah, he needs a serving man there to to be evidence, but I don't know. A lot of things could have been done better by Rob, but then we wouldn't have a story. Yeah, and I mean, he's 15. That's also true. Uh, I could not do anything that Rob is doing when I was 15 years old. Mm -mm. Yeah, I can't I would, even do it now. I would be dead earlier than he was. You're not fucking wrong. I feel that. I'm already dead. Yeah. No. Get out into the war. Oh god, stab. <laughs> <laughs> Roderick turns in his seat to scold Bran about his activities while he's been away. Bran defends the green dreams and tells Roderick what Jojen saw. Lewin reluctantly reveals that while he usually says dreams are silly, and he's made sure Bran knows that, there's definitely a bad moon on the rise, right? Raping, burning, pillaging on the stony shore. Benfred Tallhart had gone off to strike fear into them and scatter them. Dang, if Lewin could have just been made to believe in the dreams, and he's almost, like, kind of starting to believe a little, he's like, that is kind of interesting what you said, right? He'd actually be super helpful because Bran is nine years old and has not been taught literary devices, and so he's therefore <laughs> taking this dream stuff still very literally, like the drowning, very literally, right? He hasn't caught on yet mm -hmm. that it isn't quite like that, whereas Lewin is catching on, and he's just, like, he's almost there about what the dream is warning them about yeah and as a nine-year-old you don't understand that you don't know how to look out of the box on that yet as a whatever hundreds of years old melisandre doesn't quite always That's get true. it either you know like you need a lot of time to be able to finesse that so i definitely don't take that on him but how would brand know to look outside of the box and say it could be something different how would you know what you haven't seen you know yeah. like how do you the human brain we you know, there's something in the John Dies at the End books that I really love that, like, it's something explaining in much better terms, which is why I didn't write the book and Jason Pargan did. But <laughs> there's, like, this concept that, like, if you haven't seen something before, your human brain assigns it something, right? Mm. Like, the way that you see something, like, you could look at a chair, but if you had never seen a chair before, what would you see, right? Like, how would you familiarize your brain with it and how would you actually... You know, like the atoms of a chair. How would you see them with your eyes? Your eyes have never seen them before. So it's like something that we humans do and assign to things. And that's kind of the same here. Like, how could Bran even conceptualize the sea coming to Winterfell? Right now, those words mean ocean waves crashing into it. He doesn't quite understand the metaphor of it all. Yeah. 
our human brains are wired to understand story because that's how we would convey information to one another. Our brains are naturally like pattern seeking. We seek to ascribe meaning to things and yes. we try to fit it into the things that we know and and find those patterns. So Yeah, we, absolutely. Brand only knows literally drowning. Not Brand like knows his ABCs, okay? Brian is out here. He's really, you know, he's he's launching his new brain career, okay? Yeah. No one's telling him about the politics over on the coast, right? No one's like, you know, and he, I guess, doesn't associate Theon with the sea, so. No. Theon was basically his brother. Theon yeah. was a wolf like him in his head. Absolutely. Part of the pack. Yeah. Lewin also straight up is like, it, but Bran's right, it is the sea that comes. And I'm like, you're so close, mm -hmm. Lewin. You're he, like one inch is. away. He kind of, I think he kind of wants to believe. I wonder if like, I don't think that Bran telling him about the other dream coming true, right? Like about the news mm -hmm. and the meat would have maybe made him believe. But like a couple, a couple more things Lewin would have believed. Well, and that's the saddest part, right? Because as he's like lying, bleeding out that we'll eventually get to in the next couple weeks, happy December, uh, <laughs> as he's like lying, bleeding out, he kind of almost admits it, right? Like, yeah. not fully, but in a way he kind of like, I think he's more than likely thinking about it. Like, if I had only believed, maybe I could have stopped some of this, but probably mm. not. That way probably lies not. madness, yeah. We're going to yep, talk that about that That way lies madness. So... Roderick says that they would have never dared, the Ironborn would never have dared come and march on them, no more than the Bastard of Bolton, if their main strength had been there and not in the south. Yes, that is the point. Yes, the That's main the strength story. is not there. That is what's happening to you right now. That's he the plot. asks Bran to recant the green dream, and Roderick frowns, saying, well, I'm not going to take Alebelly if, if we have to ride against these raiders. He ensures he wasn't drowned in this dream. Too. He's like, was I dead? Was I drowned? <clears throat> of course, not taking Alebelly thus ensures that Alebelly dies drowned by the sea. Dang. Damn. 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 Well, this all calms some of Bran's fear. He's like, maybe they won't drown if we keep them away from the sea. Mira agrees, but Jojen's like, no, that's not how this works. The these dreams cannot be changed. Like, time is set up at this point. This is linear. We can't change this. This makes Mira mad, who's like, why would you have this gift if we're not supposed to do something with it? But Jojen doesn't know. I just had this thought on like a very meta level, right? We're talking about like, can you change the story? Can you change how it ends? And I think, as we've discussed, George knows the broad sweeps of how the story will end, but there's a part of it where I kind of feel like he's arguing against that because he's always changing the story, right? As a gardener. <laughs> yeah. And also, Mira wanting to change that ending comes back to what we were discussing last episode, last chapter, of how she's got this very different kind of faith. She has this faith that's based in hope of feeling that things can change as opposed to how the future is set in stone, right? The ink is dry. And I, it feels like Bran has that too, which is why he might try to change things in the past, right? Or he might try to mm -hmm. change how things will go. Like, whereas as we see, Bloodraven is someone who's resigned about how things cannot be changed. Aemon's resigned of like how he could not change the fate of his family. And Theon actually later on, as as we said, like hears that voice in the trees, which is probably Bran. And maybe we can't 
always change the future in some of those ways through like your own actions, but you can change who people are. And the brand, I think, believes in that. And there's this emphasis on prophecies being unavoidable and their tricky interpretation that sets us up here for the Blackwater. You know, you were talking about mm. Melisandre earlier, and while she sees maybe clearer visions in the fire and maybe sometimes interprets them correctly, but not all the time, for sure, like on a surface level... She's someone who clearly believes that visions can be changed and it isn't immutable, unlike Jojen. And so you end up with her and Stannis doing a bunch of stuff, like only for Renly's armor to just appear at the Blackwater anyway, as she mm -hmm. had seen. And that inspires even more awe than it would have before, because he's supposed to be dead. Because, like, and the Doctor Who of it all, if only <laughs> you had watched it. <laughs> It's been a couple episodes, so figured I'd remind everyone that you haven't watched more than an episode and a half. Okay, um, I've watched The White Lotus. <laughs> there's one of my favorite plots. I know, and thank you. I really love you. I want you to know, thank you for doing this thing for me. Uh, you'll do this thing for me. You'll give me my six, iron chair. It's only six episodes. Yeah, so it's not really that much of a thing that you're doing for me anyways. But, so... There's a great plot in Doctor Who where they race the clock and they go back and forth in time trying to change things where the things they've seen are set in stone and all they can do is change the living in between those margins. So like the parameters are that someone dies and they keep trying to go back to stop that person from suddenly aging and dying and they learn that all they can do is go back and live their life with that person instead. Like, that's what you can change. You can change the in-between. You can't change those hard, solid, you know, dried ink moments. Those are already written. And I find that very interesting with, like, like you said, like, Renly's armor was there. She saw Renly's armor on the Blackwater, just not Renly. How could you have guessed that? Yeah. The obvious answer <laughs> is Renly's going to be at that battle, so will we. Yeah. How could you have guessed that? But... Yeah, it's it's interesting. Melisandre, I, I guess they don't teach fatalism and valorism, mm -mm. right? <laughs> no, I'm serious, right? I Where don't versus, think they do. Yeah, yeah, they don't teach the concept of fate in that same way. They teach that the visions are a way to, I don't know, change things. Well, maybe, maybe it depends on the sect. Makoro doesn't seem to feel that way. It kind of makes me think of the Dothraki, right? And kind of what we... We, uh, we don't necessarily get all of their thoughts on fatalism, but they have like very firm thoughts right on how they worship and that when they die the horse god parts the grass right and claims the deceased so they can ride mm. to the nightlands and that they believe the moon's a god it's like all their beliefs kind of come up to me like in thinking of fatalism with relor and that they don't necessarily get it and kind of how i don't know that the dothraki like they think that they live their lives in that meantime, and they know that eventually they go to the Nightlands, right? They ascend from the Mother of Mountains up into the sky to ride the, the greatest of the seas of all. Yeah. It's very interesting. You'll see that Victorian's sailing, after all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Mira says that if she were Alebelly, she'd have jumped into the well to just be done with it, and that Alebelly should fight, and Bran should too. And Bran's only like, wait, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Why'd you say me? <laughs> and 
He wonders if he's drowning too, and then Mira looks guilty. She's like, oh god. And he can tell that she's hiding some- something, so then he asks Jojen what's going on, and Jojen says, I dreamed of the man who came today, the one they call Reek. You and your brother lay dead at his feet, and he was skinning off your faces with the long red blade. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Mira immediately rises, saying, well, okay, then I'm just going to drive a spear through his heart in the dungeons now and stop Bran's murder. Jojen says the guards will stop her, and Bran's like, I have my own guards. Except, like, none of them are really, you know, guarding him right now. When I think about it, what Mira says she wants to do is exactly what the Karstarks try to do with Jamie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then they get stopped. Well, but that's kind their of. They, hostage, they, so. they kill a couple of other hostages, which is, it was bad. Anyway. Mira, no. Don't kill the hostages. No, Mira, yes. Kill this hostage. (laughs) (laughs) Jojen's mossy eyes were full of pity. They won't be able to stop him, Bran. I couldn't see why, but I saw the end of it. I saw you and Rickon in your crypts, down in the dark, with all the dead kings and their stone wolves. No, Bran thought. No. If I went away... To Greywater or to the Crow, someplace far away they couldn't find me? It will not matter. The dream was green, Bran, and the green dreams do not lie. No, but the interpreters lie! They're just wrong. (laughs) It's not like they're lying. They they believe it with their whole, you know, green dusty, but... Green dusty, Jesus (laughs) fucking Christ, someone needs to stop us. For $8,000 a month, we will stop. We will stop doing this podcast for $8,000 a month. For, for In perpetuity. Yeah, in perpetuity. So it's interesting that Jojen doesn't say that this is how Bran dies, though. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, visions imply that this is how he would die. But I do, again, feel that this all could have been avoided if... Reek were indeed killed. Mira does have the right idea. Right, because Bran obviously doesn't know this. How could he? But like in the dream, like what comes to be in actuality is the Miller's kids. Yeah. Right? How would any of them, like we said, how would they know that? They can't actualize who the Miller's kids are. They don't know the Miller's kids. How, how would Jojen identify that as the Miller's kids in his dream when he's never met the Miller's kids? His brain assigned the closest thing he could find, which were two young boys about the same size and age that are taken and killed in order for Bran to escape, thus doing another switcheroo, right? With Reek and Ramsey, honestly, it's a similar switcheroo to how they escape. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I don't know, I'm kind of wondering, is there something like in the Green Dreams that shows definitively like this is someone's death, right? Mm-hmm. Because Jojen seems to definitively know that he has the knowledge of when he will die. Whereas for Bran, he does not say that this is going to be how you die. This is your death. He just gives him the vision. I don't I don't know if there's mm-hmm. a distinction between that or not. And we don't really get... I don't get the sense that he's necessarily manipulating, manipulating Bran either. However, yeah. we also don't know the extent of what the Three-Eyed Crow is manipulating Jojen to see or believe. We don't know if... Yeah. Jojen is being pushed in his thoughts and maybe the three-eyed crow is telling him you need to tell Bran this because mm. or you know this is you must save him you must get him out of there 
I, I am wondering how much interaction he's still having with Blood Raven through this because the way he's interpreting this dream also is a little manipulated into get Bran to flee, right? It becomes yeah, that's a big true. part of making Bran believe Jojen and trust him and to think that Jojen knows what he's talking about. And and it's not unlike like Melisandre's interpretations, right? Like her gray girl on a dying horse. She wasn't wrong. It wasn't Arya, but it was a gray girl on a dying horse. And she doesn't know anything about Alice Karstark's plight until Alice Karstark shows up. So of course, the only plight she could see would be Arya that they all know about who's suffering. So in what yeah. they know about her. Arya's having a great time. Yeah, Arya's chilling well, in the not, East. I wouldn't say great, but... I guess not in Clash, but... An adventurous time. Yeah. Adventurous. I also think it's interesting that, like, you can't change green dreams, right? You can't change the fate from green dreams, and that's the big plot for Mira and Jojen. Like, we can fight against it, but we see that you can change the fate of the interpretations. Yeah. Your interpretation might not necessarily equal the green dreams. So, like, here, they are able to change the fate. It's not Bran and Rickon that die. It's someone else. And now that I think about it, because you're talking about the, the other visions that Jojen would have had. Mm-hmm. If Jojen knows that this isn't where he dies, and as you said, right, it's kind of ironic because he's trying to get Bran to run, to flee, but mm -hmm. Bran can't escape his fate. So what is it, Jojen? But Jojen also likely saw Bran north of the wall and maybe doing something with the Three-Eyed Crow. So this cannot be how Bran ends, and he kind of knows that. I think so too, right? Like, he knows that there's something greater that Bran is supposed to go do. Yeah, he he's seen, like, something of Bran outside of Winterfell, so this can't be where it ends. But also when you brought up Melisandre seeing the Grey Girl on the Dying Horse, like, mm -hmm. and then talking about, like, that other vision of, of Renly at the Blackwater, it does seem that Melisandre sees some prophecies that are more literal. Yes. Yes. Some are, well, and some must be easier to interpret than others. Yeah, and also she was said to be the most talented, right, in in being able to see see prophecies. Now, mm -hmm. in terms of interpreting them, like, I don't know that she got an A there, but she was <laughs> the most talented in being able to see them. That's like a pass-fail grade, to be honest. It's not fair to grade that, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. It was, I think, a pass-fail class, right? Yeah, That's she definitely what I passed. Assumed. They were like, all right, go out there, go preach. Go preach, girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a lot in this little chapter yeah slaps but i'm like how much can you fit in this chapter george there's uh a lot to think on a lot to gnash our teeth about and kind of i don't know uh, understanding the way prophecies and green dreams come to be come to be interpreted and seen and are shared absolutely and ought to that ties in very well and thematically but not just thematically in terms of foreshadowing things that happened in this book mm -hmm. well if you want to keep up with all of that and all the rest of what we're doing of course you can subscribe to us on social media we are still at the moment on twitter.com slash girls gone canon that's c-a-n-o-n or you can send us an email at girls gone canon at gmail.com yeah, and make sure that you are following and subscribing to us on your podcast streaming platforms. Give us a like over there, depending on where you're listening. 
I've seen us pop up on some Spotify wrapped lately if you've been posting those for your favorite casts. You can find us at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Acast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many more. And somewhere that you can definitely always find us is on Patreon, where patrons in this Stranger Tier and above get not only their own RSS feed with these episodes, but bonus episodes every single month. This month's yet to be determined, but we also have other fun things on Patreon. Yeah, like our Thunder Tier and above patrons, 10 bucks and up, get a chance to be in our private Discord server. It's kind of a lifetime access, and we have a blast there. We host events monthly, like our brunch slash happy hour that will be taking place on Sunday, December 18th from 2 to 4, Eliana time. And... Not just that, but our eventual His Dark Materials Series 3 rewatch that will be happening in January that our patrons host where they discuss weekly episodes. Uh, that'll be such a blast. I can't wait to gather back up for that. And a big thanks to our patrons for that. We will have other events probably weekly popping up soon. So go subscribe on Patreon so you can get those notifications. Absolutely. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back next week with Brand Six in A Clash of Kings. Woo. I saw it in a dream. Oh my god, I'm still thinking it's about Walder. It's going to come true. Oh. Yes, we're very sad. <laughs> yes, we're very sad. <sighs> oh, well, green dream, see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.